0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network where were you converted like what road to damascus bro,
1: what happened bro bro cow i final once Arfie, you've been in those Arfie. media houses they have poisoned your brain come back home man come back to the streets man come back to the streets let's let's let's, let's feed you that truth what the heck
0: What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast.
2: My name's Daniel. It's your boy, HH. Hey, everyone. It's me. He's Aloha. Here. What's good, Carl, man? Where you been? London, Liverpool, Manchester, London, Southampton, Brussels, London, Southampton. All of Europe, basically. Mm. I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really tired.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. But, you know, it's always good to have you back, man.
2: Great to have you back. This is yeah, your
0: I'll home. Yo, tell tell people about your podcast before we get started the, the the new athletic one
2: hello everyone yes uh the athletic have given me my own manchester united podcast to host it's called talk of the devils and it records every single week with the athletics manchester united reporter laurie whitwell and united fanzine writer um andy Mitten. and now i'm hosting my own podcast let me just say daniel you do a fantastic job in hosting a podcast because man it is hard
0: Nah, it's, it's it's easy with you two, because all I have to do is present the question. You guys just ramble, so.
2: <laughs> I don't ramble, on the questions.
0: You, but thank you, but thank you. Um. So yeah, this is the Talking Tactics podcast. We do this every Tuesday. If you aren't, follow us on Twitter, at Talking Tactics on Twitter, Talking Tactics 352 on Instagram. We're on, no, Facebook. We're probably everywhere on social media, if you look. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. Shout out to, there's like... 400 500 people over there so shout out to you guys shout out to the 400 500 that are on soundcloud we do the podcast live on youtube now so check us out over there so yeah i think that's all we need to beg for if you want to help the podcast out monetarily there's a patreon link in the description of the podcast we record an an extra every week apologies for last week i was sick so
1: i hope you're better i hope you're better
0: I'm good. I'm good. I can actually speak without, you know, throwing throwing up uh, bodily fluids. So that's nice. We're back in in the swing of things this week. We're gonna get back to the FIFA career mode. Got the Xbox back there, so look forward to that. And yeah, just check out the Patreon. Help us out, three dollars a month. Whole bunch of cool stuff over there, and the back catalog of like over a year now. So check us out. Let's just jump right into it. Um, the Premier League is it's on a break, kinda. It's like a. It's a break in theory. There's still some games happening, but I, I think the ultimate game that happened this week was, was the Milan derby, AC Milan versus Inter Milan. Started out really good for AC Milan, went up 2-0 in the first half, and then Capitulation City kind of half hope. What were your thoughts on on the game?
1: um for me um... <laughs> by the way <laughs> during the Milan derby <laughs> I, I was gonna say are you gonna mention it or not or should he actually mention it <laughs>
2: Dur-
0: during the Milan derby half hope and i decided to watch the s- series finale of power so we weren't really good football journalists this week because we decided to watch Ghost, Tariq, Tasha, all of that. Bro, this is six years in the making, man. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> so, But we caught, like, the last end of the Milan game. Yeah. So, like, we saw the Lukaku goal and stuff. But we had to go back and watch highlights. So what what were your impressions of the game, though, Look
1: no, for me, I think, look, man, you know, you 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 look at that first half and you're like, oh, wow, typical Inter Milan. Like, Juve draw points, they'll draw points, you know, and... It shows their lack of mentality because you win, how you, how you win titles, especially is can you take advantage of that challenger when they slip up, when they mess up, you know. I mean, Liverpool did it to, a, to the end of the grade, but that's what that's that's the key thing that they do. So at half time you thought, "Wow, Milan doing great." Ibrahimovic, geez, this this move looks to have really born to, to, to fruition, but they always say that. A manager ends his coin in that dressing room at halftime. You know, like, again, people will say, What did Rafa Benitez say in 2005 in Istanbul in that dressing room at halftime? We'll never know. But he must have said some of the most craziest things ever in that dressing room at halftime. So I just think for Conte, he was able just to get through to this guy and look, man, we have to come out and really witness. So I think. It was def- Obviously, they definitely played better. They worked harder, but I think there was a different psychological approach because I, I am positive Conte reminded them that, look, we can't scrub. We have an amazing opportunity here. So they went through. Ericsson looks nice. Ericsson looks nice. And I think we'll, we'll definitely talk about L- L- Lukaku separately, but I just felt that, you know, well done to Inter Milan, but this just shows that this, is, this Ace Milan team is very strong. And, the, and the, the, there is there is no call. And it is very, very troubling. I'm not ages. I respect my elders. I'm a Nigerian. We are brought up to respect our, our, our elders. But it is very worrying that a guy of Ibrahimovic's age got the goal and the assist for Eastman, and nobody else could come up and say, what's up? But, 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 but Well done to Inz. look, hey, Moses came on and produced a quality cross. So... Look, man. I mean, I mean, I nine, 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 nine are representative are represented But I think yeah, it's was a. I don't. Maybe you guys can comment to this. I don't know whether I can say this is a turning point. I don't know that yet. I don't know whether this is like, oh my gosh, if into win, this was the this was the pivotal point. I, I think there are way more twists and turns to come. But what I will say though is that this is a huge victory psychologically. Because they were 2 0 down and they came, like if they just won, cool, but because they came back, basically it's even better that they won in the manner that they did rather than they, if they won in a normal way. Because I think this even this just gives them an extra ma- ma- uh, massive boost. Man, and for Lukaku, bro, wow, shocked. I didn't think he'd be this good <laughs> for Inter. March 1st, Juve play
0: Inter Milan, so I, I, th- I think they'll probably be within three points. By the end of the month. So, March 1st, that clash might just decide who wins. Carl, are you, have you been paying attention to anything outside of Southampton or United?
2: <laughs> I try and periodically, you know, at halftime on Saturday, I try and check on the Bundesliga results and, and Serie A. I think the really interesting thing about Serie A right now is how Conte is going about trying to turn this inter side into title winners and how he's basically doing this very Mourinho-style win now and just buy all these players in their late 20s um, as they're either in their peak or about to peak and just going, we just have to win everything now, which makes me quite worried for whoever takes over Inter Milan. But uh, Nigerian Scams, a really good Twitter account, and he's behind the shirtless plantain football show on YouTube, said that basically looks like Conte, having been at Chelsea, understands that the Premier League has some of the fittest players in Europe right now, so he's just trying to buy Moses, Ashley Young, Lukaku, Ericsson, and get that Premier League fitness. So, worse come to worse, even if Inter Milan ran out of creativity, they're just able to outrun everyone, which is why, well, which is possibly a reason for why they're able to score so many of these goals later on.
0: He's just going around, he, he's, he's collecting people's trash. Like, let's be honest, like,
2: uh, God bless him.
0: <laughs> I he, mean, that's, he got that's Moses. Not, that's
2: not, that's hey, like yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: come a on down! Don't call Moses trash, man. He's relaxed, relaxed. He he wanted Giroux. He went and got Ashley Young. Like he's just going around, like who, you you know that meme of like a cat and he has like the 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 lid of a trash can and he's like perusing <laughs> through the trash can. <laughs> that's content.
1: Wait, wait, no, wait, 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 Is isn't that from Tom and Jerry? I think that's from Tom and it Jerry. It could
0: be, but it yeah. it, it kind of looks off. It awesome. is from I'm right. okay, yeah, yeah. Tom and Jerry. Okay, so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's content. He's just going to the Premier League and looking like, oh, so what have you thrown in the recycle bin that I can take? But now that you say it, shout out to Nigerian scams and call for bringing up the point that, OK, that might make sense.
2: What Hope said about AC Milan, this AC Milan side are in a bad way. Again, anyone really interested as to how AC Milan have gone into this current state, I recommend another podcast called Football Today. There's a really good conversation with Marcotti. As to the, the fall from grace, the Chinese ownership, how the Chinese ownership didn't work out, how they basically got taken over by American financial lenders who are very, very frugal risk assessors and how they've basically gone, you know what, let's try and run, run a football club for the very first time. Uh, how Gattuso didn't work out and how it's absolutely, incredibly critical for AC Milan to get Champions League money and why the longer they go without it, the more they get in trouble especially now if Inter is going to pull this off and possibly get some champions league money. And there are these rumors that obviously the San Siro will be no longer with us and all Inter and AC may split as well. Then things get real sticky because if Inter go away and they go away with champions league money and AC does not. Oh, have either of you two been to the San Siro? I have not. I've heard that it, 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 you very much can tell it's fallen into a, a vague sense of disrep- disrepair.
0: Damn! When 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 is it planned to be like destroyed or whatever? Like within the next three four years, something like that.
1: Let's do a Google. <laughs> no, but 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 see, that's, that's the like issue.
0: a bucket list stadium, though.
1: Like like the San Maracana. Like mm, but, 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 but you know, that's the issue with all of these Italian stadiums is that they were pretty much built for Italia '90. And they were, so they obviously built like huge, massive and everything. But now what you now have in so many of these stadiums is they can't fill them up. So the, first of all, the atmosphere is awful and they wasted so much space. That's why for Juventus, they pretty much said, look, man, we, we can't fill up the Delhi Alpi. So let's just move to a smaller stadium, much more closer And then, when actually, it will be financially and economically better for us. So, what you may see very soon, gradually, is a lot of these teams will give out their stadiums, break down down their stadiums, and just go to smaller stadiums. You
0: know. So, you guys, have you guys heard about the thing that um, Inter Milan are suing Inter Miami? Oh, have you guys seen this? Yeah, Uh like, like basically, Inter. Inter Milan have to prove that when you hear Inter, you think Inter Milan. And <laughs> if if they win that in court, then David Beckham's club in Miami have to change their name. I find that quite interesting. Carl, how has your Google search gone? In t- June tw-
2: 2019, the AC and Inter announced their intention to build a new stadium. The new 60,000 stadium will be made next to the San Siro and um, would cost $800 million and be ready for the 2022-2023 season. However, Giuseppe Sala, the current mayor of Milan, stressed that the San Siro will be kept at least until the 2026 Olympics and Paralympics. That makes sense. I don't think they're going to leave the San Siro until basically
1: the end of the decade.
2: And even then, that's probably four or five years too late. Apparently the design of the new stadium, well according to Wikipedia, the design of the new stadium will be based upon the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Which, where Atlanta FC play, which is pretty much one of the best sports stadiums in the world. It's really, really good. It's where the Falcons play and Atlanta United play there as well, which is pretty good. For my mind, the most futuristic football stadium is the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I don't think anyone's going to outdo that for a bit. Have you um, seen the images of the one that Chelsea
0: were trying to build where it looks like, I mean, some people call it like a toilet bowl or no. <laughs> it, apparently it's meant to look like a church or something like that, It's but then Roman got banned from the UK, so he's like, I'm not going to spend money with you guys if you're not going to let me in the country so anyway let's let's talk about lukaku double h what are your what are your thoughts on
1: romelu <sighs> lukaku um i'm not sure how to um sort of an- analyze I, d- I don't know what he is is he a great striker full stop you can't say that because of we have to look at the entirety of what he did at money you, you, you united so i think the best thing is there is a great striker there But you can't depend upon him to always show up on a consistent level. Or maybe with like many players, he needs the right coach. He needs the right coach. You know, Christian is a guy where, like, I'll find a way to score. Just feed me, give me the ball, I will find a way to score. Lukaku needs a coach, the right system, the right setup for him to really fully execute. And this is what I think this is what Conte does better than most managers I can think of. Even if you're from the road, he will get the best out of you. Jack Harini. was just some dude hustling around in the Premier League and he made him close to a world-class player at the Euros. Conte just has the ability to work. It doesn't matter what kind of your skill level you are. As long as you work hard and you have something, an asset, he say, I will get the best out of you. And that, for me, is great management. You know, it's, it's great management. And I just think, you know, you cannot do... Because for me, I always say, it's not how many you score, it's when you score. And Lukaku has not only had like a good number of goals; it is the kind of it's the kind of goals that he's scoring, and he's really scoring winning goals. But more so, and this is something which you saw glimpses of at United, he's a pretty smart technical player. Like Lazzaro like Martinez can say, a lot of the goals I've scored is based on what Lukaku has has done.
0: How? What? You're saying he's technical, but haven't you been calling him Tim's for like three years? That is
1: why I'm confused. Because <laughs> Lukaku, some of the stuff he did at United, I'm like, this is the most shocking, brickish stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. But at the same time, some of the stuff I've seen him do for Inter Milan, like his touches, his basically, um, the build up to the fourth goal. That was a beautiful touch. That was a beautiful oh. touch with his his, his back-to-goal. So it's one of those things that we're like, yeah, wow, well, there's sometimes we're like, no, this... Like, there is a way in which you play as a lone striker where it's not just about, about scoring goals. It's about back-to-goal, your first touch, your movement. Pretty much almost, you know, like what he was able to do in that game against Brazil at the World Cup. So my thing is this is that he's found the right manager. Another perfect example. The best we saw of Costa, people say, oh my gosh, Costa was world-class at At Atletico Madrid. Nah. Even during that 13-14 season, he was very good. He wasn't world-class. The best that Costa looked was under Conte. That was Costa at his very best. That was when I was like, no, this is one of the best strikers in the world right now based on form. Conte, yet again. So Conte just knows how to, okay, these are your weaknesses. These are your strengths. And even, because I've watched Interco quite a, a few times, there are very few times I've seen Lukaku look bad or really brickish, And that's from Conte walking with a player and saying, I know what his his weaknesses are. I know what his, his strengths are. So I'm confused. was <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> do I call him a great striker, an amazing striker? Well,
2: what we're essentially having is a very roundabout conversation about the fact that Conte is the best ever manager Lukaku's had. Let's look, let's look at Lukaku's managers. This kid started off in Belgium. Then he goes off to Chelsea on the Mourinho, who doesn't care for him particularly. Then he gets put to West Brom on the Pulis. Then he gets done over to Everton on the Roberto Martinez, who you know how I feel about that man. <laughs> then he goes to Manchester United, so he can play on the Mourinho, who kind of mis- misunderstands what he is. And on go to Solskjaer, who just doesn't like him because of the way he scored on a number of... uh evaluations on how confident the man believes he is and now he's at a manager Antonio Conte who back when they were when Lukaku was at Everton Antonio Conte spent ages when in the pitch for Chelsea going this is what you are this is how I want to use you these are your strengths this is how it'll work this is the very first time at the age of what 24 25 when Lukaku has a manager who knows what he's doing and knows what Lukaku is good at and is using that to the strength now, Lukaku's got 20 goals in all competitions for the first time. It's the quickest time someone's done it in Milan history, right? And like, he is a good to great striker.
1: That's a he lie. He is. I think he's a good to great striker in today's landscape. He's not as good. He's not. No, 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 completely... no, no. I'm saying that um, the comments by Poem would say is a lie. I want receipts. <laughs> so. Okay, okay. Like, I'm, I'm. <laughs> That's, uh, he's he's
2: a 20 goal stri- season striker, like pretty much regardless of what team he plays for. But I think the frustrating thing is you look at him and he looks as if, if you put him on the right team, he'd be a 30-goal striker. And he hasn't. He's not He's not made that jump in the same way that, I don't know, Harry Kane has made that jump or Lewandowski has made that jump. Or He doesn't seem to have that extra je ne sais quoi about it. But also, critically, Lukaku talks as if he's got it, which I think frustrates a lot of people in and around football. So Solskjaer especially was very much, where has all this unknown confidence come from? Whereas Lukaku, you know, Lukaku can quite reasonably point to the time where Harry Kane beat him by one goal for the golden boot and went, look, I'm that good. And then most managers go, yeah, but you're at Everton side where every single ball went to you. You can't do that. And I think Lukaku's got this problem where he probably isn't good enough to be as ball dominant as he needs to be to get 25 goals. Everything has to go through him if you want him to get those goals, which isn't going to work. Yet, it's working a lot better at Inter because Conte has gone, hang on, you're quite clever on the right-hand side and I can play you in a two. I don't have to play you as a lone striker to use hold-up play. And that's what's coming along. Lukaku, now that Inter Milan have uh, diagnosed his digestive problem that Manchester United completely missed, if that continues, Lukaku should stay injury-free. And if he can keep playing and avoid the Wayne Rooney-esque problems where you get too many miles on the clock, he should hopefully make the jump from... Well, we were saying he was a tier... Three, tier two striker. I think it was, he can finish in the bottom
1: rung of a tier one.
0: Where, where, where do you rank him, Double H, in your rankings, going off Carl's last point?
1: Is he unranked? Oh, no, 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 no. no for, for, I would say upper tier three, level three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> upper tier three, level three. Yeah, it's like a code, bro. Like <laughs> one day, tier I, mean, I mean, not I yet
1: tiered too. So upper, upper tier three. Le, le, I should level have known three.
0: before I asked you that that was going to make me go what? But um, <laughs> spe- okay, I, I guess this is a it's a bad kind of transition, but we'll take it. It um, oh, got to Manchester United, man. Wait, how is it a bad transition, man? Well, it was like you know, Lukaku was a United striker. Now this is another United striker. But, you know. Um, Egalo to United. Because we weren't here last week, we couldn't talk about this. But now that we are here this week, uh, I want to get the Nigerians' thoughts about this. Now, I've seen many Nigerians hyped about this is like United's first ever Nigerian player. We You got to back him no matter what. But I've heard you be critical of the man in the past. So where do you sit? On this for Egalo, and where do you sit on it for United?
1: I am happy for Egalo. Now, he's thank you for your service for the Super Eagles. It is what it is. He frustrated me, he pissed me off, and everything. So, but as a Nigerian, I've got to support other Nigerians now, you know, and I have to give him my support. Now, if I now pull myself away from I want him to do well, I want him to succeed, and I want him to represent Nigeria well. If I pull put that to one side and I say, you know what? Let me look at this objectively right there. Let me look at this analytically right now. Um, not the greatest striker. It's decent. He's decent. But it's not a striker that is going to really excite people. But here is the thing. Here's a little caveat here. Not the greatest striker. Not something that United fans should be excited about has never proven himself to be a high volume striker. Really, he's coming from Watford even more. He's not coming from from China. Something that will affect Carrasco definitely in the short term for Atletico, but we're not. Let's just see what happens in 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 the long term. But the difference here is, this, it's like it's a whole mental thing. People say, "Oh my God, look, he played for Watford. How how good is his level?" This is a big deal for Regalo. and I always say, like you know, in sports and so forth, it's 60 70 percent mental, about thirty percent physical gala's mind is like, this is a massive deal. First Nigerian to play for Manchester United. Manchester United, I think, is the most supported club in Nigeria. So there's a lot of um, spotlights and, and everything upon this. So he knows that people think I'm going to fail. I look at social media, mockeries, people are laughing. I look at what you guys are doing. There is no better motivator for any sports person than I'm going to prove you wrong. So because people are expecting him to fail. People are not expecting him to score many goals. People are not expecting him to score winning goals. So he actually doesn't have that much pressure. There's no option to buy. He's here for a loan spell, and he's pretty much here to fill in a gap because the United needed a, a striker. So almost everything is on his side. And if you put all that to, to one thing, the thing that will be driving him, and if, if you're motivated and you have a strong motivation behind you, that can make you do amazing things on, on the pitch. So I just feel like if a motivation is going to be I'm going to prove all of these so-called experts wrong and really come out and score key goals because trust me, if you have a situation where Igalo scores some of the key goals to get United into a top four, that would be huge because let's be real right now. I don't know whether we want to talk about the whole top four situation. Three, they're gone. City, Leicester, Liverpool, they're gone. They're finished. Chelsea can't be trusted. That fourth spot is up for grabs. And I think that first spot will go down to, to the last day of the season. Either the last day of the season or the last two days of, of, of the season. So for Egalo, that is a great thing to, to hone on and just put a, like a laser focus on. Let me lead this United team into getting top four. Let me be the guy that get them into top four through assists, goals and good plays. So at the end of the day, we can talk this, talk that, blah, blah. It's about what you do on the pitch. We have been proving right sometimes. We've been proven wrong sometimes. Let's just see what he does from now till the end of the season. I want it to, I want it to go well, and I really,
2: I really want it to go well for him and and for all involved. And there's not too much hype about him, but so I wouldn't mind if he just comes in, scores seven to nine goals, and it just you leave it there because this is his lifelong dream. He said he's wanted to play for Manchester United for ages. Took a pay he cut, is, all of that. He's taken a pay cut. He is an, an intensely frustrating striker to watch, and I'm saying this with an Afcon lens on, in the same way of. I'm, I'm glad he he he's Nigerian sometimes because he's, oh my God, I can imagine being a Nigerian fan, watching him play and going, oh, for the love of, just put the ball in the net. There's that. Manchester United should have brought a striker to replace Romelu Lukaku at the start of the season. They didn't do that. They should have got, they went into the January transfer window trying to buy Haaland. That didn't happen. Then apparently there were links to Josh King. That didn't happen. And then they end up with Igalo. Igalo is a short-term, six-month thing. I don't think there's any view to extend that loan it's more or less a free hit and letting someone live lo- live out their lifelong dream. I hope it goes really, really well for him. I hope he, if he stays as the permanent tip of the spear that helps martial right now, because, and also means that Rashford, I hope the plays well, because it means Rashford doesn't have to rush himself back. I don't want this to fail on like four different levels. And I have no idea if it's going to come good or not.
0: What would be a success? Like in terms of number of goals, anything over
2: five double figures would be a great success. Wow. And that would fix well, great success. And I think also something involving Europa League winning or Europa League tie winning goals. So if he, it's not just that he's scoring against Norwich and or Aston Villa, but it'd be really, really good if Agarlo can score in a game against Wolves, for example, because for some reason, Manchester United are always playing Wolves.
0: Is, <laughs> is, is the idea he's going to start or is he just there to make up numbers like on the bench
2: no he's going to start he's going to be starting uh, I very much believe he will start the next game for Manchester United and Martial will move out left Igallo against Chelsea is happening I won't know for sure until I do Talk of the Devils a new athletic podcast uh, <laughs> shameless plug <laughs> I won't know for sure but the, the idea is very much Igallo will start and will very much be the guy who holds the ball up and allows players like Martial Greenwood to a lesser degree Jesse Lingard Perhaps Andreas Pereira and Bruno to flit around.
0: Another crude segue, but is it outside of the realm of possibility if Frank Lampard starts Keppa that Agallo can't score? I don't think so. <laughs> if he can put the ball on target, it's gonna be a goal. So he, you know, he he might start out one and one.
2: Kepa's if, save percentage is the uh, worst. The last time I checked, it it was fifty five point six percent. Um, when you I read a stat
0: out. that it was like out of the 130 something qualified goalkeepers in Europe, he was like 120 something.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what you what so you want to do?
0: The so, guy's trash, man. Where did I, they find this dude? I,
1: I mean, how, how 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 did they find this guy? Why did Most they buy him? Most expensive goalkeeper in the world, 71
2: mil dog. Most expensive <laughs> goalkeeper in the world, taken from Atlético Bilbao. <laughs> uh, release clauses, <laughs> release clauses. panicked. So uh, yeah. the, I, the reason I the stat comes to mind is because he, the only goalkeeper who had a worse save percentage than him was Angus Gunn, the Southampton goalkeeper who conceded, who played in the 9-0. Um, and it's one of those things of Gunn was the worst. No, Kepa was worse than Gunn for save percentage, but Gunn had conceded 9 goals and then Gunn didn't play anymore. And Kepa sort of just about, just about made enough saves, so Gunn was the worst statistically friendly goalkeeper that's played more than 10 games. But, but that's the Barama, right? The only goalkeeper out there who was worse, conceding nine goals in one game, and also <laughs> hasn't played a game of Premier League football since.
0: <sighs>
2: that's it, right? You, that, the only
1: goalkeeper. That was how long 8%... have I been
0: complaining about Kepa? Bit it's been at least it's been at least month, and I'm bro. and I'm glad that everybody in the past couple in the last month has kind of like
1: that's that's what I was saying. The Bayern game, bro. It ain't not happen. Oh, how did no, start the Bayern game?
0: Oh, Lewandowski is gonna. I mean, even if it's Willie Caballero, it doesn't matter. Lewandowski's scoring at least three goals in the two legs. <laughs> so your whole semis minimum thing, like you know, if this if it was <laughs> hey, a trash can Locks, over there, bro. like in, in the Daniel trash, Locks, like joke, Kobe <laughs> in the trash can, bro. Listen, and this is my and people have been asking me, like, why don't you like Kepa? What's wrong with Keppa? <laughs> and he's
2: I was like, hey, he's, he's
0: he's short. This is my problem with short go. Now people always bring up, oh, but Casillas is six foot one. Like he's more an exception that proves the rule. Like most goalkeepers, most good goalkeepers, great goalkeepers are taller than six foot one. And that's because you need to be able to have the agility to get cover every corner of your goal in terms of shot stopping. But you can't be too tall either because then you, you Courtois might be an exception. But once you get into like the costal pan, Pantilimon six foot eight, then you don't have the the kind of the agility to get down in time. So
1: there's like a sweet spot between like six foot two and six foot five. I would say. You see, like Casillas was like an anomaly because Casillas was short, but he was just an anomaly of like he just was a very, very good keeper. You know. Right. Course, there's,
0: there's, there, there's a sweet spot to goalkeeping where you keep the agility, but you also have the length. general a, uh... I don't,
2: I don't think it's a case of just height. I, I, I don't want to say it's just you have to be this tall to be a goalkeeper because
0: well, no, but, but, but this, this is just my theory. I mean, so how... like this, this, this is why I'm against buying kepper especially yes. once you tell me that kepper costs 71
2: million to use, million to use, pounds. To use a, a half hope let me land let me land sorry, sorry. i think the really interesting I'm thing, triggered. i think the really <laughs> interesting thing about goalkeepers and height and i think to use a similar tangent for jordan pickford right now because also these having a terrible well not a terrible run of form an interesting run of form and everyone keeps going jordan pickford has short arms as a joke but uh the thing the thing that is really, really important about goalkeeping is confidence and that a good goalkeeper exudes confidence to the back line. So the back four is just going, oh, wait, the guy behind me is really, really good at their job so I can be slightly more adventu- you know, adventurous and that makes me feel better when I'm defending. I've just seen Liverpool pl- put four goals past Southampton and that back four, yeah, they're amazing. He's got Virgil van Dijk, but you can see Joe Gomez is doing certain things because like, worst come to worst, Alisson's going to sort it out. And when you've got a goalkeeper in a bad slump of form, it just makes everything worse because the back falls like, oh, crap, this guy, oh he's not going to save anything. I mean, Hope, you, you've played five aside or, or played 11 aside games of football. And Daniel, I think you've played a bit of soccer as well. You know when you've got someone in goal who just isn't a proper goalkeeper, you have to be just a lot more reckless in your tackles just trying to block shots and trying to get things done. And you're just like, and it just causes havoc. And there's this thing right now from Kepa. It's not that he's six foot one. It's that Kepa is not confident. He doesn't look suited for English football. He has a very much early... David De Gea about him where he looks really skinny as well, which I'm assuming he's probably still eating a very Spanish-style diet where he's eating his dinner way too late and he's eating loads of tacos and tapas whereas he probably should be eating some nasty English gross food at like 6 o'clock and then eating some more protein at 10 o'clock and I haven't, have you seen an interview with him? Um, no Do we know if he speaks English? He must speak English. I'm assuming he speaks English. He must
0: must speak some. He must speak some.
2: He's really quiet. And in the same way, if Christensen looks like a really good center back, and then you go in the stadium and you watch him and you go, oh, wait, Christensen doesn't say a word. He's really, really quiet. And therefore, he will not be a good defender. Very similar for Kepa. Kepa looks the business. And then you realize he doesn't talk too much. He doesn't seem that confident. And it just creates leaks all throughout that back line. It's not the fact that Kepa is not tall, it's the fact that Kepa doesn't look like a quote unquote man.
0: What's interesting is the most animated we've seen Keppa is when he decided that he didn't want to come off the pitch. <laughs> Outside of that, he might have used all his words there. But when sorry was like, hey yo, come off. I want to bring on Caballero to stop penalties, Kepa was like, nah, nah, he just went mad. So that's another thing that he that kinda of put him on like the naughty list for me. Come off the pitch if you're being told to come off. But, no,
1: but I think another key thing as always well like it's it's like double bad for Chelsea because not only do they have a keeper who's not confident
0: um <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah so, but see not only do they have a keeper that's not confident they have a defense that isn't a, a resolute wall you know so and they have a team that is forced to and encouraged to, to to play very attacking and throw men, 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 men forward so it's just a very bad situation because for a team that Chelsea have, especially and for the tactics that they have, and for how kind, and also with the fact that Lampard is changing the central defensive pairing every day, which is crazy.
0: Right.
1: Even more so, you need a David Seaman. For me, I always say like the keeper I would most like to have behind me is David Seaman. Not because he's the best keeper in the world, but when I, when I just think of who is the safest keeper that, I've, that I can remember seeing is David Seaman where this guy is just chill relaxed chilled because that's the other also thing as well and the the key thing about keeping i prefer a keeper who makes the saves look easy rather than guys making the really big massive hollywood saves because when you have it like and that was what like noe used to do back back in the day where like he'd just grab it one hand boom one hand and when you do that it just raises the, the confidence level of the, the fence and almost raises just the level of the of the entire team. But when you're like fumbling, you're, you're coming through, you can't really get two crosses, you're dropping balls, you're only just getting stuff, then you're like, oh. Basically, it just, it makes the whole team jittery. Mm. It makes the whole team jittery. And that's just the issue that Chelsea are having So
2: He's help, completely correct. If you compare the save styles of Pickford or of Kepa to the save styles of Alisson Becker... Becker can make great saves, but the really interesting thing right now is how many saves he makes look completely ordinary because he's just stood in the right place. He just knows exactly what you do. The really interesting thing about uh, Allison's footwork is he takes loads of really tiny steps constantly and he's constantly readjusting. Whereas when I just saw Angus Gunn, in the FA club game against Spurs, not the replay, but the one before it. The interesting thing about him was when the game started, he was doing the same thing. Loads of tiny steps, loads of footwork coming for the ball, which is really, really good. But when the scores got tied at 1-1, he started panicking and he started taking really big steps. And he was constantly course correcting himself and he was getting jittery and jittery and jittery. And you go, oh, your confidence has slipped. It's really, goalkeeping is really, really hard. And you've got to bear in mind, if, you, if the difference between being one step left or two steps left when a free kick comes in or a corner comes in it can be a difference
1: between you having to make a the save or you just being completely dead to rights. Right. Oh no! But again, two, just two quick quick points, and I sound like um Juju man. Um, two points, two points. <laughs> can I make a counterpoint? Counterpoint.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so basically, first point is um, Ter Stegen. See, I still believe that Ter Stegen is the best keeper in the world, but this is almost with the same thing with the, with the height thing. You see, when I look at Stigin, he doesn't exude the same kind of calmness that, let's say, an Allison does. But Stigin just makes saves that make no sense. You know, and I still see that overall, taking everything to account, he is still the best keeper in the world, but I still don't feel a kind of safety around him When I mean, whenever I, I I see him play. I don't really see, like, a calmness that, let's say, an Allison has or a when he actually is on his game a couture house. So that may actually be a height thing and a perception thing of you want your keeper to fill the goal. The second point is that okay, like relax, I've not played every position in, in football, just just <laughs> a few. But when I was put in goal, I and I think this is the point that Carl made. the only thing you haven't played is center back from all the stories I can remember. But look, go ahead. Okay, okay, look, okay. Let's see. In the few games I played as a keeper, I think what Carl said is very good. I was not a very good keeper, but I had great great ref, reflexes. So I didn't know how to stand in the right place at the right time, so I just relied on my agility and my quick reflexes, which I always see very good. Hence why I was good at shot saving, penalty saving. Hence why someone like a Mignolet isn't a great goalkeeper. He's just good at reflexes, but great keepers, as Kowakal said, make it look easy. You just actually, you only need to make like one or two last-ditch saves. Most of your saves should actually be very easy based on you just anticipating where the ball is going to come to. So,
0: and this is something I think I've been poisoned with because the keepers I've watched basically the whole time I've been watching football have been Czech and Courtois. So, I'm used to seeing a goalkeeper of a certain mentality and of a certain stature. So, then you put like, It's like, yo, it's like you're looking at LeBron James, a six foot eight guy, strong, big. And then you just give me like, I don't know, like Patrick Beverly and go. I'm like, bro, like this doesn't compute. Like it doesn't look like it's supposed to look. And that already puts me off. And then we get into his style of play and just the uneasiness of it all. It's just like, bro, like, nah, this guy ain't it. But we can leave that one there. Um, Let's talk about the Champions League, man. So it's next week, have I'm sure you have all this stuff memorized. So what's coming so basically next so,
1: week? So Tuesday is Atletico, Liverpool, and Dortmund PSG. Then at the when, same time or same time, same time. And what then no no but for... no 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 no. This this is the best that they could do because what you now have it is so because for me I I can watch two games at the same time. I can't watch three games at, at the same time. Two games is doable. No idea, but it's is, is, is doable. Three games, that's just stupid. So, you have Dortmund, PSG, School um, Liverpool on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, you have Valencia against Atalanta and Tottenham against Leipzig on the Wednesday.
0: What game stands out to you? I think it's kind of obvious, but...
1: Definitely Dortmund, PSG. That's going to be a party. Based on what Dortmund did against them, um, Leverkusen, it's going to be a damn party. So, it could either be like a Haaland hat-trick that sends out PSG, or PSG could just go ham and You've seen Neymar's new haircuts. The pink one? Oh, he has a newer one now. He's bald. This guy
0: gets a new haircut every five days. I'm just like, <laughs> bro, can we be consistent? He's bald.
1: He's not bald. He's not bald. He's bald. He's bald.
0: So bald. everybody, Rudiger went bald, Mourinho went bald, Neymar's bald.
1: Everyone's going bald, man.
0: For what? I mean, um, I'm kind of bald, but not really. Low buzz cut. I'm, I'm not ready to
1: accept baldness just yet. Oh, no, no, no. I, have, <laughs> I have fully coming. embraced it. I fully embraced it. Come on, insult me. I don't care.
0: But no, I, I haven't seen Neymar. But I saw the pink hair. I thought, is this like for breast cancer awareness? Or is, I don't know. Maybe it's like a birthday celebration thing. I don't know. Um, has the emergence of Haaland made you question whether or not Dortmund can actually do it? Now, they're going to be without Marco Royce. I don't know how... Massive f- loss. I, Massive. I don't know how, how that plays into Dortmund the Dortmund
2: can't do it because... Lucien Favre's style, unfortunately, is not. Are you calling Favre a brick? I'm not, he's not a brick. I don't think Favre's system is not what the Bundesliga likes, right? So, in a league where everyone's playing high lines and is doing heavy pressing and wants to pass through the lines and wants to play as high up the pitch as possible, Dortmund are kind of static and slow. They're playing this really interesting 4 3 3 and they're rapid on the transition. But in terms of taking the game to the opposition, they're not great at it. So what they very much do is they're they're a team of counter punches. And look, it's great right now when they've got Haaland and Sancho and Royce dropping deep to do that. But they're really, really vulnerable on the right-hand side of this 3-4-3 formation. Haaland's production will eventually level out because the guy's scoring goals very much of, oh, look, I've managed to just stand in the right area after we caught you in a counter-attack. That will only be... You know, you can only do that for a certain amount of time. Much like when Salah caught hot in one season, and the next season, He didn't have a bad season the next season, but just more teams double up on him. Um, it's really annoying because I would really like Dortmund to win the Bundesliga, but I tried watching that Leipzig buying game, but I just think everyone's run out of puff, and Bayern Munich going to do what Bayern Munich do, which is win the Bundesliga. As is to use a half hope term, as is their birth rate. <laughs>
0: So what what have you what have been your impressions of Haaland, Carl? Were you someone who watched him when he was at Salzburg, I believe it was, or whichever I, Red Bull club he was at? I like... watched
2: football for a living. I don't watch enough football to watch Austrian Bundesliga. I watched some highlights, and it looked as if that guy was the real deal, and his performance in the Champions League were really, really scary. And I think when I watch the highlights now in the German Bundesliga, what is really scary is that he's getting really scruffy finishes. He's 19 years of age, and he's doing... Pipo Inzaghi style, I'm on the last man. And I'm just sniffing out danger constantly. And I'm constantly on the verge of being offside and being acceptable. He's got a great left foot, he's got a great right foot, he's got a great heading ability. I think in the same way that Mbappe looks like a remixed Brazilian Ronaldo, Haaland looks like a remixed Pipo Inzaghi or a remixed Del Piero. I think that's the really fun bit now is we're getting a podcast.
0: <laughs> I do have a- <laughs> I'm glad we got that on camera.
1: <laughs> like, I mean, I you had me at Inzaghi. Like, hear you that? Know, that makes things. Del Piero, the delich, the Delage? Del Piero, Togon, a guy who, if not for, for 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 the injury, would have been one of the best players in the world. Nah. Not even close. No. Really, I didn't realize you loved them this much. Oh, Tell me more. My, oh, bro, look, man. When I, I was I just want to hear. I want to hear what you think about Del Piero. This is something i have never. So basically, in before. the '90s, when he was really coming through. I was living in when I was living in Geneva, and literally, I wanted side bombs. I was so obsessed with it because even like my brothers, even always used to the tease me, say, "Why oh, Del Piero?" Because I was so obsessed with things. I remember I bought the Juve jersey, so into Del Piero and everything. I remember there was one FIFA game where. I only chose Juventus because of Del Piero. I always took free kicks with him. But yeah, like, look, the whole Del Piero zone where that's just, that's corner parts of just outside the Etienne era, put it onto his rights, curve the ball in. No, the, like, if Del Piero didn't get that injury, it was around that 96, 97 area, he would have been Italy's first true superstar player. Who was your first favorite player, Double H? Was it him? Has to be... It's... That's what I'm trying to remember. It's between Okocha and Zola, but I believe it was Okocha because because of the 94 World Cup. Because because when did cause I think Zola joined 95-96 because Zola is why I I rocked with Chelsea. But the 94 World Cup is like my first football memory. So Okocha was like a guy, you know, and that's why I was into Frankfurt and everything. So Frank Okocha was basically like the guy that we all worshipped in Nigeria. So I think it was really Okocha was the first one.
0: Who's your first favorite player, Carl? Like the first like Andy Cole, Dwight York? Or is that stereotypical?
2: No, no. I think I was Andy Cole over Dwight York. Uh, I definitely love Beckham because Manchester United. I was really into... Like, the first World Cup I remember watching was France 98. So therefore, I was all in on Brazilian Ronaldo. Dino is the hood legend, obviously. Ronaldinho 2002, so I loved him. I'd say going forward. I never really loved Rooney. I do, I do remember very clearly loving Tevez when it was like Manchester United as well, and like charting Argentina and all that stuff. Obviously, I, I love Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I no longer love that man. I said this after the Men's World Cup in 2018 about how football's got become really interesting for me because the Men's World Cup was the very first World Cup I watched where the majority of players were younger than me. Mm-hmm. So I've now gone from looking at football players as if they were gods to now looking at them as if they were my peers and or if they were my younger brothers and nephews and now obviously i'm working in football and one i'm realizing how many of these footballers look in relation to me in terms of height and build and whatnot i'm like oh wait every now and again if i get a haircut and i walk around this football stadium someone thinks i'm a center back um which i find quite cute cool. and just i'm quite paternal or fraternal over like two or three football players at southampton where i'm just like i really want this kid to do well because i want that i like treat them like a younger brother, which is something I've never really experienced before in football. So and now I don't know if I love a football player in the same way I love Brazilian Ronaldo. Uh like I really think the world is better when Mbappe is playing football. The world is better when Neymar is fit and doing his thing at a high level. So I would like him to leave PSG and find a way to not be at Barcelona. Hazard as well. Zad Zad. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love Eden Hazard and everything he does. And I mm. miss and like the Premier League misses Eden Hazard. And the Premier League kind of misses Harry Kane. But I don't think I'll ever love a player in the same way I love Ronaldinho. And like, the way Ronaldinho made me... Ronaldinho made me believe in magic. Or, like, I, this sounds really weird, but Paul Scholes used to make certain passes that would make me pick up a football and go, how? How did you do that? Like, there's a lot of things Paul Scholes wasn't good at, but there were certain things. In particular, the flick he got on the ball in the 2007 Champions League semi-final against AC Milan. So in, in the same game where Kaka scored that amazing solo goal that made Gabriel Heinze and Patrice ever slam into each other, which, again, amazing goal. For the th- winning goal, Scholes gets the ball and flicks onto the edge of the box and Rooney gets onto it and scores. And it's one of the biggest goals i ever celebrate in my life. But I remember that flick on, that assist from Scholes, over and over again. And just I remember the next day going to school, playing football and going, I have no idea how he did that. And I tried doing it three or four times. But yeah, I'll never love a poor football player in that way because even though there are football players nowadays that do absurd things because they're all younger than me. It's not idol worship. It's, wow, that's cool.
0: I think when I was a kid, like, I think the 97, 90, I was seven years old for the 98 World Cup. I remember, like, kicking a soccer ball around, talking about, like, JJ Okocha because <laughs> I really liked the name. No,
1: no, no. Wait, it's, it's a football, not soccer ball, football.
0: Listen, when I was seven, it was a soccer ball. Now that I'm old, it's a football. But, yeah, I remember like wanted to be JJ a culture just because I really like the name. So, um, but my favorite player, Jimmy Floyd, man. Just... <laughs> that
1: guy was unreal. Jimmy Floyd Jimmy was on Floyd. crud at his peak. Those guy, he had eyes like three trunks, man. I love Jimmy, Jimmy Floyd.
0: Floyd, man. That was the, he was my favorite because, like, on FIFA, like the shot power, Jesus goes all day, bro, goes all day. Anyway, um, let's let's do some questions. From MC Polo King, how influential will the way Liverpool, um, the last two years, play be to football in the future? It's like they have three strikers, two wingers, the fullbacks, and three midfielders that shield the defense. So, kind of like, I think Carl and I talked about this when we were talking about the end of the decade. and Or we talked about the 2010s and how the decade only really starts maybe two, three years into that decade. Do you think that the way Liverpool play are going to is is it going to have a lasting effect into the 2020s? No. Why not? Why don't you think so?
2: It relies on two or three generational talents to be incredibly unselfish. I think there's just enough secret sauce in what Liverpool are doing that will make it hard to replicate. Like, it's, I can't see another football player out there to that will do Roberto Firmino's job, and that's so essential to what how that Liverpool team attack. I, I can see a lot of players wanting to be Trent Alexander Arnold, and I think what's really cool is I am now seeing I go to a football stadium and I just see people in Trent t shirts, and I sorry, remember I was talking Mad to a sixty sixes. Yeah, I was talking to a I was talking to a, a
0: terrible number man, but it's good.
2: Um, I have a really good I have a friend in Southampton. He is a boxing journalist. He takes his ten year old kid to Southampton games. I went, oh, who's your favorite football player right now? And he goes Trent didn't even blink. I went, what? He's like, Yeah, Trent Alexander Arnold is, is like my hero. He's the best football player in the world. And he went hero. <laughs> Kids. T- <laughs> we were talking about a culture. But but in terms of in God, terms of changing in terms of he changing, says Trent In terms of changing the culture, right? Trent Alexander Arnold has redefined I would I don't know. Maybe redefine the right back is, is wrong. You do you remember Roberto Carlos came around and you went, Whoa, look at that. Left backs can do that. That's really cool. And then maybe, and then maybe you tried being a left back and you realize actually left back is kind of boring and you don't want to be a left back no more. I think Trent's doing that, but also I think we've got to a great understanding that right backs can do that stuff and a right back doesn't have to be boring. So that would be cool. I think there might be some more football players out there that want to be Trent, but I don't know if you're going to see. I mean, Genie one out of them is maybe the most press-resistant midfielder in the world right now, in Europe right now. And he's like, mm, um, he's coming to the end of his Liverpool thing. If, you know, he's won a Champions League, it looks like they're going to win a league. He's going to be a free agent. So he looks like, you know, he's gonna, he looks like he's going to say, I'm going to go off to Juventus to m- make a bag of money in free agency. Fair play. But at the same time, where do you find another Genie one album? And this is the thing, you can't, it's really hard to make a Genie one album and tell that kid, hey, you're going to be like the fourth most valuable bit of this team you need a hell of a good manager. I think the really interesting thing is, I think if football teams out there are going to try and chase what Liverpool do, it won't be the stuff they do tactically on the pitch. It's going to be the backroom stuff. It's going to be, let's get PhD people. Let's get people with, uh, let's get throwing coaches. Let's get, uh, let's redo what we're going to do in terms of groundskeeping and whatnot. Let's redo what we're doing in terms of licensing and copyright stuff. in all those. So Liverpool Liverpool right now are copywriting stuff like a madders and are being pulled off how much they're trying to copyright Liverpool are not only... In the same way that Manchester United were amazing in the 90s because they were really, really good at football, but also really, really shit-hot at backroom stuff and commercial deals, it's Liverpool's turn to do that. You've got to bear in mind, when Klopp took over Liverpool, I think they were worth something like 600, 600 million, and now they're worth something close to 1.3 billion. That like Klopp's tenureship has turned Liverpool back into legitimately one of the great financial superpowers in Europe in terms of football and clubs. That's the next step, right? You're going to be seeing... Barcelona aren't gonna be trying copying Liverpool in terms of tactics. They are gonna try and copy them in terms of how do we exploit China and India.
1: Daniel, can you pull up that Gatlock comment? Balama and Daniel. Because this is what I was thinking, Carl, when you were saying this stuff is that Trent hasn't done anything <laughs> new. So when you just say like he's redefined the whole thing, like it, like no, Daniel, basically, hey, hey, I walked it back. I walked it back and I said, Remember how Roberto Carlos did it?
2: I I I I think think, think what's interesting is Roberto Carlos is too far
1: back Danny Alves
2: but also this what you know my my response to you and to Gatlock is Danny Alves and Philip Lahm didn't play in England and I think this is the first time we're seeing a right back do that in England who is English and I think it's causing a very interesting cultural shift within English football fans of what a right back is possible of doing and look I didn't I think Danny Alves is amazing and fantastic and I The things he says about football and the things he says about life in general and money and the concept of happiness is really, really valuable. And I think Dani Alves is to defending. There was a little spell where Dani Alves was to being a right back, what Lionel Messi was to being a false nine. And the fact that Dani Alves, you know, Barcelona still haven't replaced Dani Alves properly and Juventus probably hasn't and PSG are probably like, hmm, probably shouldn't let that guy go. He's that good. By the same, name, Danny Alves never played in England. As far as I know, Danny Alves's English is mostly swear words and hi, hello, how, how are you? And we are a Premier League orientated podcast, so that's that.
0: Well, we? I mean, we try to be even. What do you think about uh, the whole Liverpool style of play? Do you think it can carry over the next few years, or do you kind of agree with Carl that this is kind of a, if not singular, then
1: very rare thing? Um, no, I, I think I think no. Klopp is a very particular manager, and I'd. There is nobody like Klopp. And I think that Klopp um, plays in a very, very particular way. And Mm -hmm. I think that I've not seen a team replicate what Dortmund did under Klopp. Like, two sort of tried. Who knows what he could have done if he had had a long time. Favre, no way in hell. For Liverpool, look at what Liverpool have done. I just think that, you know, Klopp is very particular in how he puts his team together, what he wants from his players, the instructions he gives to his to his players, how he uses his right-backs, how he uses his midfielders, how he gets his guys to run, how he gets them to intersect, how he gets them to connect with one another. It's very particular. And, and, and again, it's like, I just don't see how that's good enough to transit and carry on, similar to the whole thing of Spain's run, you know, like Spain's dominance and Barcelona's dominance. Was that replicated? No, you know. So there are certain things just that just can't be replicated based on the players, the personnel, the manager, the system, and the environment. You know, and as a manager, you should not look to like there are certain things that there are certain paradigm shifts in football that you just have to accept, like the paradigm shifts of the right back and left back introduced by Brazil. Carlos Alberto, careful. Roberto, Carlos, You had to accept that paradigm shift. Now the paradigm shift of the inside force, where you we're no longer playing two strikers. We're, not, we're now because there's more space on the wings. We're not going to use those our uh, wide men for our strikers. So they're going to start out wide where they have a lot more space than coming at the at a diagonal. And if you ask any defender, it is easy to defend somebody in a straight line. How does it defend some, somebody in a diagonal? That was the paradigm shift that people just had to accept. That's what they say: out with the four four two, in with the four two three one, or whatever you want to call it. Another one paradigm shift. False nine, maybe not to the same extent as the inside forward or the right back, left back, but it's something that people are like: okay, if I have the player, I can now utilize that. But for Klopp, his tactic is an amalgamation of many different things. It isn't just one thing. You know, he's doing he's doing a lot of stuff at the same time. You know, and it's something that he's been working on for the past few years of looking out, and he did a bit of a dike there and he did a little bit of this, this dude there boom now this is not like my kind of my my, my masterpiece that I've been building for a long time mm. so what is the thing that Klopp has done that other guys can now rep, 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 replicate and can they replicate that for me they can't man and they shouldn't and they shouldn't try so
0: this is from Christian Oliveira, who helped us out with the World Cup stuff in 2018 so shout out to him. Portuguese dude, um, Benfica fan. How crazy was yesterday's Derby della Madonnina? I can't speak Italian, but basically, how crazy was yesterday's Milan derby? And someone else asks, Shad um, Hurdle, impression on my boy Zlatan's performance in the derby? Still proving haters wrong at thirty-eight. So, what did you think if of was proving haters wrong? Derby?
2: He'd be winning trophies. He's not proving any haters wrong. The dominant <laughs> storyline is Ibrahimovic can do enough in a singular game, but he cannot. He no longer. Has what it takes to take a team over the line to win trophies, which, you know, well done for all the stuff you did in PSG when you had amazing financial dominance. But you don't want a league title since, have you? No, no. I've. You didn't get you didn't get LA Galaxy that far in the playoffs, did you? So,
1: I think it was great. You pay
0: attention it, to MLS, Carl.
1: I try there and thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. But I've, I've, I've got to echo uh, Carl's points, man. For Ibrahimovic, is like, what have you done? Okay, you've scored a few goals for AC Milan.
2: It's not
1: going anywhere, are they?
0: What was the last time you watched the full ninety minutes of MLS?
2: Have hope.
1: I don't think I've ever watched ninety minutes of. of, Carl, the
0: last time you watched full ninety minutes MLS game.
2: (laughs) Uh, April time, two thousand nineteen.
0: Okay, I can't recall. (laughs) Maybe like in the background, but I can't recall so. (laughs) Just saying. Um, all right, 2019 PFA player of the year or player of the season from Adena AJ Cool. And Mason Boris asks, Am I the only one who thinks Henderson for player of the year is absolute BS? He hasn't even been the best player on his team, let alone the league, in my opinion. De Bruyne, Trent, Mane, and Vardy deserve it more. Vardy. All in that order. So who do you guys think should be the PFA player
2: of the season? Um, Van Dyke in Van the Premier League. Van Dyke. Van Dyke. Carl? Van Dyke should have it. Absolutely. Vander should have it. Uh, but although the argument for Henderson having it is really convincing, he's the captain of the Premier League champions. So yeah. he's the captain. Is like I can understand why Gary
0: Cahill was captain of Chelsea when, or was he? It might have been John Terry. Still, now that I think about it, never mind. I was about yeah, to say I, Gary Cahill was captain team... of Chelsea for some games. I'm not giving him PSA some play games. of the Year, bro. For yeah, yeah Ambrosini but...
1: was. Captain for Esplan when they won the league title. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to play it up, Ambrosini. <laughs> and 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 look, West Morgan like,
0: was captain of Leicester. we given giving him the PFA player of the year over Mahrez and Vardy and Kante. Vardy's not had a
2: great season, he had a really good, yeah, he he yeah, he's, he's had a hot scoring streak, but he hasn't been great since I mean, Leicester in general. Nets, nets, I would like to have a serious discussion about how Leicester's forms dropped off a cliff since Ndidi got injured.
0: Another Nigeria
2: yeah anyway <laughs> anyway anyway right. um, yeah, so, my, um i can see the argument as to why henderson should get pfa play i can see why there is you know a current um you know what what was it you we've spoken about in terms of module what not media campaign and whatnot and in the same way of you know we've, we've been here before where you know Derek rose got mvp because everyone got so bored of voting for lebron all the time or how al pacino won his oscar because Everyone else was like, "Oh God, we haven't given Al Pacino an Oscar yet. Let's give Al Pacino an Oscar." And they gave it from that terrible film where he did all of the acting, or a bit, you know, like today, where Joaquin Phoenix has won his very first Oscar for the performance in Joker, which is eh. When he probably oh, no. should, he probably <laughs> it's not, it's not his best performance. He should have got it for you were never really there. But what or or um. Uh, the other film that came out last year that was amazing, where he was like a bounty hunter. Like, this is this. Is can what we happens. not?
0: Can we not do this. Uh, giving,
2: giving in uh, giving individual awards in ensemble efforts is really difficult, and sometimes you get to these cases where sp- sometimes people are going to award not because they were the best person that year, but because they're like, you know what, this person had such a great turnaround. That's a nice story, and I think the the, the glow up to use. Social media parlance. The glow up of Jordan Henderson is amazing, right? I remember I did some branded content work with Jordan Henderson in 2012, uh, and it was with uh, it was with a, a high street retailer, and we just we put him in a suit and we're trying to tell some t shirts. We're in an interview with him, and this is when he just signed for Liverpool, um, and we ran the headline on the website: Jordan Henderson, England's future captain, and. We were inundated with comments. He's never gonna be future captain for England. What enough are you talking about? Blah, blah blah change that now. Jordan Henderson's crap. Jordan Henderson's this. The reason we put that there was because at the time he was the England under 21 captain and he had done it. And it's sort of a most England 21 captains eventually get there or thereabouts. And then Jordan Henderson's people went back to us and said, Could you change that and remove it? So we got we got rid of it. So it simply said Jordan Henderson, England's future, to which people still went, How dare you do this? XYZ, blah blah blah. <laughs> And now look, Jordan Henderson is captain England. Jordan Henderson is, is just been voted for as the best England player of the year 2019, and Jordan Henderson.
1: Oh, he oh, is, oh, over Sancho.
2: Yeah, and over Sterling, but he was he was voted by by a team of his peers and whatnot. And like in oh, terms, peers, this is, yeah, yeah. This is this is the glob, right? This is the same p- media that was calling Rooney white Pele. So
0: it's not, it's not, guy's not, it's not, but
2: there are are more people in and around football that watch football every single day and look at football every single day who say Jordan Henderson is great. (sighs) And it's clearly got to a point where, and I know it's weird and I know it's weird. And I've been, I've been laughing about Jordan Henderson jokes for the best part of seven, eight years, right? One of my favorite tweets ever about football was from the 2018 Champions League final, uh, in the lead up to 2018 Champions League final, where someone went, Jordan Henderson lifting the Champions League trophy. Thanos destroyed this half of the universe. And how Sergio Ramos had saved us all from the, pros- from the darkest timeline where Jordan Henderson, of all football players, would lift the Champions League trophy. And the then you know what he player? did? He went off and did it the next year. Because that's what Jordan <laughs> Henderson does. This guy...
0: Despite
1: That's what Liverpool does. John Henderson, oh, but, thank you. Just so you let me are uh, <laughs> part of a great system. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Henderson is just a guy from the road. He he, 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 not, he He's not. He's not. He's the embodiment of this side. Like you gotta bear in
2: mind. You gotta bear in mind. Do you know, do you know how Liverpool choose their captain?
0: Probably player vote
1: if you're yeah. English.
2: They vote, no, they vote within the changing room. Klopp goes in and goes, Right, gentlemen. Who is going to be your captain? And they all take lots and he all do votes and he'll do give a speech. And John Hansen won unanimously. And then when Van Dyke came in and went, Right, gentlemen, who do you want to do it this time? And I went, You know what? Our vice captains will be Virgil Van Dyke and Genie Alden." But if you talk to anyone in that Liverpool structure, they say, We are the way we are. We are the way where we lose and keep coming back. And the reason we haven't able to have this winning streak and the reason we're able to Bounce back from the Champions League defeat and bounce back from the fact that we, you know, we only lost one game by one point one inch against Manchester City and keep going on this thing is because we just were resilient. And who is their captain?
1: Jordan Henderson. Van, Dyke. Van of- Dyke is their leader. That's the real leader. The guy with the armband no, is Henderson. The embodiment of this team is Van Dyke. It ain't Henderson, bro. Gen- Van Dyke is the core of this team. All,
2: all I'm saying is, do not let the fact that you don't think... Jordan, Jordan Henderson is a good footballer. He's one of the better football players in Europe. You cannot like it because it looks weird. Because, you know, as Ferguson said, he lo- it looks like he runs weird. And everything you've been taught that is good about football, Jordan it's Henderson a, it, doesn't seem to be very good at that. It's but I'm telling you right now, Jordan Henderson is a good football player and there is not a team in Europe he would not improve. <laughs>
0: Okay,
1: hey, so the a team you. in Europe he would not improve, including thank Barcelona. <laughs> he ain't, he improving Real Madrid or Barcelona. He would. That right oh my now. god! Oh my goodness! He would! Oh my goodness! Oh man! He's improving Real Madrid. Are you what, yes, man? Where,
0: where were hey, you hell? converted, Doug? Where were you converted? Like what road to Damascus? Bro, what happened,
1: bro? bro, out. <laughs> happened think... in the final. I think once Arfie, you've been in those Arfie. media houses, they have poisoned your brain. Come back home, man. Come back <laughs> to the streets, man. Come back to the streets. Let's let's let's, let's feed you that truth. What the heck? Didn't I'm improve Real Madrid with Fede He's... Valverde, Casemiro, and Colony Cruz? What the heck, mate? mate, Henderson in mate, that group? mate. Put Henderson in there. Oh my
2: god, carry Casemiro's like, word, I can play with you as well. Casemiro would love him. Valverde would be like, Oh, is this how I perfect that little right inside cross ball? Oh my god, they'd love playing with him. The is would be like it, I don't have to yell anymore? The Henderson issue with hyping up
0: Henderson is it always feels like trolling, just a little bit. Like you might be serious, it's and you it, might be right, but just Jordan Henderson it, Henderson. it feels like, feel like trolling. If
2: if I if it, if his name was maybe if his name wasn't Jordan Henderson or if he didn't play for Sunderland, and I, I admit it's it, it it if sounds, I
0: hadn't seen him for the past eight years, oh my, you
2: know what I mean? Like let me let me let me put this to you this way, right? I had slammed I had been on Twitter since two thousand eleven. And I have had so many tweets about Jordan Henderson and how it was rubbish that when we did that bit of branded content, the agent or the one of representatives so of Jordan. Delete Anderson,
0: your tweets before something, something.
2: So I try and, and one and one and I I met another thought. Oh yeah, so uh, I saw you worked with this, this, this. Oh Jordan Henderson. I saw some of your comments about Jordan. They weren't very nice. Like that that's how long I've had a foot on that guy's neck. And look, he's the captain of a Liverpool side. He's the captain of the enemy. And I shouldn't. And I, look, I still don't think he's great for England because the way England play is very, very strange. But ever since he went from being the number six for Liverpool to being the box-to-box guy, because now Fabinho is there, and now he's doing this box-to-box stuff, he's the real deal.
0: Um. Lastly, <laughs> wait a minute. No, we'll take this one. Um, who are the real favourites between Real Madrid and Manchester City?
2: The closer this comes, Real Madrid right now, isn't
1: it? Manchester. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. So I no, no, no. I think it's it's, it's still, it's still, massive I would have said when the,
0: the draw is made, 70% of and people claimed it was 50 50, but I'm sure most people were probably leaning City. The longer it's been since the draw, I think Real Madrid probably are in a better position right now. So, Pep
1: can't lose in the last 6 16, bro. What he, do you can't? Mean he can't, he can't, he can't, <laughs> you, you, you can't, bro. He might. He can't. He actually might. Pochettino to but... be Manchester
2: City manager. You heard it here first. Uh Cy Lloyd, a Manchester United journalist, has said there's something deep in his gut. He goes, call it a feeling. But City get knocked out by Real Madrid. Poch goes, you know what? I'm sick of English football. Leaves. Goes on a sabbatical. And Man City go, hey, Pochettino, what are you doing? Do you want to come to City? Think How about would you it. feel about
0: that as a Manchester United defender? I'd be, if... just,
2: I'll be if... devastated. That's, if Poch went
0: mean... to City and you guys still had Ali
2: bro, <laughs> bro, I would not know how to I... <laughs> I can say with confidence there's maybe two reasons why I'll stop ever supporting Manchester United one of them is being bought out by just any form of despotic owner I think I can see if that you happens you just got a
0: whole podcast you're not going to stop supporting United bro
2: <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got pay rise oh, though well. anyway anyway uh
0: and what's the what's second reason?
2: If Poch, if pot takes over a City and I have to persist with OGS and no director of football, I don't know if I'm going to have to watch. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I watch that team for more than 10 games next season.
0: All right. So this has been the Talking Tactics podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening. Remember, subscribe to the podcast if you're on iTunes. Follow if you're on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics. Re- support the podcast on Patreon. Carl, where can people find you?
2: And Command 616.
0: Double H, where can people get you? HowFootballHot.com. And yeah, talking tactics podcast, sometimes funny,
2: sometimes serious. Always for ball. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.
0: Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.